Welcome to the Rancho Cordova podcast brought to you by the Rancho Cordova Film Office and Happy New Year. We are very happy to be back with our new season after taking a couple of months off. During this time, we've been very busy putting together a whole new season of the Rancho Cordova podcast and we're very excited to bring you a diverse and interesting range of guests over the next few months. On this week's episode, we introduce you to one of the most important and hard-working departments of the city, and that is neighborhood services. On today's show, we speak with Russell Duchamp, who as manager of neighborhood services is responsible for overseeing a team of almost 25 people, encompassing several important city services, animal control, code enforcement, parking enforcement, the homeless outreach team, and the rental housing program. So as you can see, Russell is a very busy guy. We've been trying to get Russell here into our studio for some time, and we were delighted to finally sit down with him for the first show of this season. I really enjoyed speaking with Russell. I learned a lot about the great services this city offers to the residents of Rajo Cordova, and I think you will also. My name is Charles Lego, and now on to the show. So, Russell, welcome to the Rancho Cordova podcast. And we've been trying to get you here for a while, and yeah. finally here we are. And Happy, Happy New Year to you, to you. our first podcast of the year. Wow. Um, what an honor. Yeah. So, you are the, um, you oversee neighborhood <clears throat> services yes, for sir. the city of Rancho Cordova. I do. And I took a look today to see um, what Neighborhood Services does, and I did not realize you had such a, a big job. You got a lot of departments we under you. have a you. big umbrella for sure. So let's go through Neighborhood Services. First of all, what is Neighborhood Services? Yeah, so Neighborhood Services, um, it's an ancillary building to City Hall, so it's not part of City Hall. It's, we're on 2880 Gold Tailings Court. We're on the backside of the police department. Um, neighborhood services, uh, the core function of neighborhood services, I guess I should start with is our animal services team. We have our code enforcement team, and then we also, um, have, uh, our probation partnership. Um, we have a lot of small programs within our code enforcement team and, and actually even our animal services team is starting to branch out and provide different types of services to our residents, which we found a lot of success with. Um, we have a free vaccine clinic uh, every other month. And and we're actually going to talk about each department okay. as we go through. Okay. So why don't we start with code enforcement? Sure. Because I think yeah. that's an important one. That's Rancho yeah. Cordova, you know, is a, is a very well-run city. Mm -hmm. And when you walk around, everything is uniformed. And, and I know that starts with code enforcement. Yes. So tell us about code enforcement. Yeah, so we have a, um, a pretty robust code enforcement program. We have great supporters in our council, you know, um, Mayor Sander and, and Council Member Budge, even um, all of them, really. They really support our code enforcement team. Um, our primary goal uh, is really to help reduce crime and make sure that the city um, looks looks good, looks right. appealing, looks inviting, looks, where, looks like where you want to go work, you want to go play, you want to... Um, do different things and, and keep it inviting. Right. So our code enforcement team, uh, we have about 12 people on our code enforcement wow. staff and um, we do cover quite a bit. So let's talk, how does code enforcement reduce crime? 
Well, you want to, you really, the, the goal with code enforcement is to um, reduce the opportunity for crime. So you want to harden the target. Um, there's a theory out there that uh, two sociologists uh, created in the 80s called the broken window theory. And how um, if you see one broken window, um, you're, and it does, it goes left unaddressed, um, you're liable to see another, another broken window right. or another right. broke down vehicle. So right. our goal is to be proactive. Um, proactivity in code enforcement can become, um, I won't say dangerous, but it can become a, a, a tricky right. um, so we have to have uh, really good qualified staff to right. go out there and do proactive work. But the goal is to um, curb the desire to conduct crime here in the city. Right. And our numbers, you know, we work really closely with the police department, specifically the problem-orientated policing team. Our, the, the crime numbers have been going down, right. you know. Uh, I'm not accrediting that to code enforcement, right. but I think it's, it's a bunch of different sure. pieces, you know. So... So I see code enforcement like if I open a store and I decide to put up any willy-nilly sign, mm -hmm. that's a code enforcement issue, right? It is. And if you yeah. didn't get a business license, that's also – Oh, that's also code enforcement. It is. It is. And if I'm uh, my house and I decide to paint my house pink, mm -hmm. is that a code enforcement issue? No. No? It is not. Oh, uh, you could do you whatever? Know, um, I don't want to offend anybody, but ugly isn't illegal. As no. long as as long as the paint is in good um, form and is applied accordingly, and um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't deteriorate the 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 property. I think uh, so. Really, you could have whatever color. Correct. Now, There's... now in HOAs, which which some people get really confused about the HOA regulations versus our code enforcement. Um, uh, duties to our municipal code, um, the HOA may have an issue with your right. pink home. Of course. Yeah. Um, I'm, um, so I have a building and I'm not really using the building and it sort of gets into disrepair. As you say, the bro, you know, someone smashes mm -hmm. a window, mm -hmm. someone graffitis, yeah. et cetera. That becomes a code enforcement issue, yes. right? Yep. So what can you do? I'm the building owner. I'm the property owner. What can you do? So we're, we're talking about a situation where you have a building that isn't currently occupied. You're the building owner and it's in a little disrepair. Yeah. So our job as code enforcement um, is really to educate. Uh, it's, that's, that's really what our goal is. We are not a heavy handed division. So our first task would be to really um, make contact with that property owner and kind of educate them about our standards and about our requirements as a property owner. Um, we put a lot of responsibility on property owners here in the city, which many code enforcement divisions do, but, um, and, and just educate, continue to educate, uh, set expectations, let them know what the violations are, how to correct the violations. And what's great here in the city, not so much for commercial property, but for residential property, we have tools to provide to our residents. So Lorianne Ulm, uh, excuse me, Lorianne Carl, who um, runs our community engagement program, she has a beautification program where residents who are um, experiencing uh, code enforcement issues can go to that program and um, apply for assistance for one of the beautification programs. We have a landscaping program. We have a cash for clunkers program. Um, there's a critical repair, there's, um, the rebuild together, uh, Sacramento, there's, there, she has a lot of tools 
And what's unique there is, um, and I have to catch myself when I go into my code enforcement circles to not brag about it, but it's nice to, um, well, this isn't the nice part, but you give a notice and order that you as the building owner or the property owner or the house owner needs to do these repairs. And then you give them an application to the beautification program. Oh, okay. And we kind of, we, we help, um, walk the resident or property owner through the paces to uh, get into that beautification program. And the beautification program, the city finances it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's, it's through um, one of our tax measures and, um, but how much, like up till? Is there a cap? Uh, Three thousand dollars wow. for say okay. uh, drought tolerant landscaping. Wow. Um, there are there are specific caps for each yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. for each program. I don't want to give too much out there. I don't want right, to be real. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. Um, with, yeah. Yeah, I want to be very accurate. But the beauty is that um, there are opportunities. Okay. So the approach is if someone has a violation, the approach is nice first before you cite them or anything yes sir you that's say, hey. that's exactly right i mean you can lead with the stick but sometimes you don't get the final results right. or the long-term results and that's ultimately what we're we're shooting for our long-term results right. we want to get to the root of the problem so you go to the builder will take the broken windows and you say hey you know what you got to fix your windows we have a program but i couldn't care less and i don't do it so mm. what's the follow-up so the follow-up with that uh, type of approach by the owner would be the accountability um, approach. So um, we would provide, still provide the education because you, you'll be surprised how many property owners kind of um, turn their uh, their point of view after you explain the resources that are available to them. Um, and then we go through the process, our, our code enforcement process, which is pretty standardized. It's, you know, we always lead with a uh, courtesy letter. Um, we we let the property owner know that there's an issue, um, and uh, if the pro if the issue isn't corrected through the courtesy notice, then we move to a notice and order, which is a more formal notice. It has actionable items on it. It's appealable, um, and then they get usually 30 days to correct their violation after they receive the notice and order. If they still aren't in, in um, compliance, then we would start the administrative citation process. Okay. So you can basically force them to do it. Yeah. Um, we try and not you, to force. We, right, right. You know, we, we... But there must be some who just stick their nose up, Of right? course, yeah. yeah. And, and we have, you know, there's other... We have administrative hearings quite a bit. We have show of cause hearings. Um, and, and we try... So our biggest, our other goal is not to let these things turn into year-long cases, right? right. We want to we wanna get these things right. addressed. Get it fixed. You know? And it seems to be working here because, I mean, you drive around Rancho, you don't really see the problems. Yeah, I would say comparatively, um, we are in a very, very good position. Right. Graffiti is a problem in a lot of big cities. Yes. Um, I don't really see the problem. Although, you know, here on Folsom, there's that building there that used to be. It's a famous building. Do you know what I mean by the – sits right on the railway yep, tracks. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's actually it, a historical building now. It is. Yeah. Well, I drove by there right in the new year, and it's all graffiti. It's tagged, sure. And then I thought, wow. Okay, right. so what happens to that? So in graffiti, um, what's interesting with graffiti is there's kind of two different tracks, right? So if – if we go to a, a, a case or, you know, could be a fence, could be a property, could be a car, could be, you know, sometimes our signs. 
we always want to identify if it's gang graffiti. Right. So before we do any type of abatement, usually we, you know, take a picture of it. We right. share it with our our um, law enforcement right. partners and uh, identify if it's gang graffiti. Right. If it's gang graffiti, it needs to be removed within 24 hours. Oh, it does. Yes, it needs to be removed oh, in 24 hours. Wow. And 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 because we want it to be gone quickly, we'll allow them to paint over it. But then. You know, we still have standards, so they can paint over it. Say you have a Who's blue. they? You, the property owner? Yes. Yeah. The property owner. Okay. Yeah, it always falls back on the property oh, owner. Oh, okay. Um, That's, but, okay, so if someone graffitis my business and it's gang-related, I have to get rid of it within 24 hours. It's your responsibility. Yeah. Wow. Not as the business owner, as the property owner. Property owner. Okay. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that is not grand graffiti because it's been there a couple of weeks. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So eventually, does the uh, property owner have to get rid of it or will you go in and get rid of it? Uh, we give them a specific amount of time and then, yeah, yeah we will go in there and abate it. Okay. Um, we have contractors that we work with regularly that will come out and whether it's, you know, painting or power washing, they'll they'll take care of it for us. And in Rancho, is there a sign ordinance? There is businesses? a sign ordinance. Yes. Yeah. yes. And that a, falls that would fall under you? Yep. It, yeah. it it does fall under us. So what's interesting with code enforcement is we are the enforcement mechanism for several different departments. So our zoning code, for instance, chapter twenty three, that falls under the planning department. Um, we have some stormwater codes that we enforce that's through the public works department. So, um, we, uh, we do a lot of enforcement for most of the divisions within the city. Okay. <clears throat> and how many code enforcement, uh, code enforcement officers do you have? In total, uh, we have 12 code enforcement officers. Um, we have two animal service officers. We have a supervisor over animal services. Um, we have a very robust administrative staff because we have many different ways you re can report issues, right. whether it's on our um, Rancho Cordova Connect, which is equivalent to like counties 311. Right. Um, right. You can call it in. We we take emails. Right. You know, so those have to be processed. And we'll, we'll just finish <laughs> up with code enforcement. So as a member of the public, so here's a, a thing. I live in I, I lived in Palm Springs for many years, oh. 20 plus years. Sure. And they had a program, it was an app on your phone, where you see a problem, you take a picture, and you report it. Mm -hmm. And it was an immediate action taken. Mm -hmm. And it worked, it was, I've done it actually. At my house, I came out one day and there was an issue. I took a picture, boom, 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 and it was gone within a couple of days. Sure. Do we have that program here? It's, it's, yeah. it's called the Rancho Cordova app, and that's citywide. So yeah. um, when I say citywide, that touches all of the departments within the city. So if you come out and you see a clogged storm drain, you could go on to the Rancho Cordova app um, you would select the specific type of issue you're seeing, um, take a picture of it, and then it would get routed to that specific division. So then walk me through <laughs> how that happens. So I do it. Mm -hmm. It's like a text, right? Someone gets it. Mm -hmm. What happens from there? Yeah, so so after you take the picture, after you submit it, it goes uh, into the system, and then it gets sent out to the division in which you chose so if you chose animal services for the storm drain violation, it would come to my animal services team, the neighborhood services team, and then we would redirect it to public works, right? But in a perfect world, it's going to get routed to, to the, correct. the correct division, yeah. and then that division takes action on it. Sometimes it's not an enforcement action. Sometimes it's actually an action of let's go out and address this issue. Um, so with, with my team on the code enforcement side, 
um, we would get that concern or complaint, and then we would do some research. We always try to do property research to make sure that we're not uh, being duplicative and sending out more notices that nobody wants to get more mail than they have right, to, right? right. So um, we do the research and make sure they're not, you know, repeat offenders, things like this. And um, then we decide what the course of action was would be. So typically, typically we're going to send a courtesy letter letting, educating the resident of the issue. And our courtesy letter is actually really effective. You know, yeah. we're, we're getting most of our cases, I would say 60 to 65% from the letter are getting closed just by edge. I mean, it just shows that with a little bit of education, um, you can go a long way. Right. Okay. So now let's move on to, um, uh, the homeless outreach team. Sure. So I've had a couple of dealings with them. Mm -hmm. So um, during COVID, we um, the state of the city was virtual. Mm -hmm. It was Mayor Sander. Yeah. And we followed him around for a while. And we had some experience with the homeless team where they went and they found some people that were obviously unhoused. And they were very, um, they were very helpful in helping them, you know, go to the next level. Sure. And then recently we did, we're, we're in the midst of doing a documentary right now about the food locker. Oh, okay, yeah. And they're there every, I think they're there once yeah, a week or we, whatever. At least once a week, yeah. So let's talk about the homeless outreach team. Sure. So how how did they become, um, how was it formed? Sure. And what is their primary job? Okay. Yeah, so um, back in 2018, um this is kind of full circle for me because right. when the homeless outreach team was originally created, I was the code enforcement officer assigned to the to the um, homeless outreach team, um, and that's you know it kind of came through the ranks up into the position that I am in now. But um, you know we identified that uh, we needed to um, provide services, um, and again. Uh, not leading with the stick, but more of the olive branch, olive branch approach, um, providing these uh, people experiencing homelessness, homelessness with some basic resources to start to get them on their feet. Um, so that kind of started in 2018. We had a code officer and we had two RCPD officers that were assigned to the homeless outreach team. And it's just kind of morphed. It's gotten bigger. So we Initially, we didn't have a navigator. The county was providing a navigator, but the navigator had such a mass amount of space to cover, area right. to cover, that um, the city took it upon themselves to provide a navigator just for this for right. uh, within the city. So we we started. We added the navigator um, and uh, started rolling. Started yeah. providing, you know, getting out there, providing services. Um, and simple services, you yeah. know, uh, social security cards, right. um, getting people to get their social security right. cards so they can start to have an income. So now we can ID. start to an ID, yeah. exactly, getting yeah. them to, to get their California legal ID um, and start the path. And right. we always we always worked through a self-help type program. Right. So if you're experiencing homelessness and we're going to provide you with service or tools, um, we're going to expect you to follow through. And if you don't, then we need to figure out what the next steps would be. Right. Right. So if I'm homeless, could I come to you and say, look, I'm homeless. I need help. Will you help house me or? We won't necessarily help house you. We'll, we'll get you into the path of receiving housing. Okay. To get it help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't control that. We still have to rely on some county resources right. for the housing. Um, 
within the city, though, we do have a transitional house, um, which is specifically for uh, Rancho residents. Okay, you know, so if we have if we have a client or if we have a resident that is truly ready to take that next step, and typically it comes with a service plan. Um, so you make a first contact, you ask the resident to do X, Y, and Z, could be the social security card, could be the ID. Um, and they start to follow through and start to go through these self-help steps. We as a team, um, can identify, okay, they're, they're ready. They're, they're on okay. the path, you know, because truly the home is just a transitional home. This right. isn't, this isn't a long, but it gets you off the streets. Correct. It'll, it'll, wow. Get you okay. So that's really good. So if you help, if you're truly ready to help yourself, mm -hmm. you will take my hand and help me until the point I'm alone. I could do it myself. Correct. Very right. good. I did not know that. Yeah. Where's yeah. the house? Where? Um, I'd I mean, just the, no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I live in downtown Sacramento. You walk around and boom. You know, you know, yeah. I have to tell you the problem yeah. there. We've had the police chief of Sacramento here, Kathy Lester. We've had the sheriff. And we had Brandon Luke, the police chief here. <clears throat> All of their their biggest issue is homelessness mm -hmm. That as a department. Sure. Rancho Cordova, you drive around, you don't really see homelessness here. So I do have to wonder, and the two young guys here are very homeless aware. You know, young mm -hmm. people are very... Mm -hmm. So I have to wonder, is it that the city just does not allow people to be homeless in the city? So if they see you, they move you on? Or is it as a result of this help that you give that we don't have that issue here? Well, that's the million-dollar question. Um, you know, I think it's it's more of us offering consistent services, um, visiting the same site several days in a row and coming at the situation of, look, we can provide you with the help or we're going to have to take the next step. You know, okay. If it's an enforcement step, if it's a, you know, through criminal activity or. or but you're not going to allow tents to pop up in the city. We try to avoid that. Yeah. 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 We really do. Yeah. You know, and we have, like I said, we have, we have tools for people who are willing um, specifically right now we have, uh, it's going to start in a few weeks, but we have, um, our winter shelter that we do in partnership with our heart team. Um, so that's going to be eight weeks. People check in at 5 p.m. They get a, a warm meal. They're able to shower. They they can sleep in the shelter, and then they check out the next wow. day. And then that's in the city? That's yeah. in the city. Wow. Yeah. The, the, there's several churches that participate in this. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's something, again, I didn't know. Yeah. The transitional housing that you spoke of, mm -hmm. how many people can you accommodate in one go? Six. Six. Yep. Okay. Six. Okay. That's but again, cool. uh, you know, it's really important because, you know, we're looking at six spots. Right. We want to pe put people in there that have their exit plan right? so they can work the exit right, plan right. while they're in there. Right? You're not they're, just going to put anyone. It's someone who truly wants to help themselves. Sure. Not just anybody, but not for an extended amount of time right. either. And they have to be originate in Rancho. Not necessarily. No? No. Nope, so if I live in Sacramento, I'm homeless in Sacramento, and I get wind of this and I come <laughs> and be homeless in Rancho, you're still going to help me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, there, we might not want to put that out too much. Yeah. Well, you know, we we screen our people quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you might be from Sacramento, but your family may live in Rancho. Right. Right. And and we see that uh, predominantly, okay. that there is a tie to the city 
um, with many of our homeless folks. Right. And how many people are working the homeless outreach for you? Gosh, we have, um, well, I'll just name out the team. So we have a full-time code enforcement officer that kind of helps coordinate the activities of the homeless outreach team. We have two RCPD officers that are assigned to the HOT team. They live under our POP team, so they're part of the POP team. Um, we have- And they uh, fall under you, those cops? No. So no, they're still with they the police department. They would be RCPD, yeah. but there's, okay. you know, we coordinate with right, them a right. lot. Um, we have two navigators that we contract through CityNet, and right. they provide the um, field outreach services. Yep. They also manage the transitional home. Right. Um, and then we have uh, two contract staff that um, help uh, do cleanups. Right. Okay. So it's safe to say that really the city of Rancho Cordova really is actively involved. Very. Hence why maybe we don't see the problem here like we do in other cities. We're very proactive. Yeah. We're very, very proactive. Um, and, and I say that with, with the utmost respect. Yeah. We are leading with service. Right. Um, we are not heavy-handed. Right. So just to switch gears now, people who listen to this show know that, you know, we get to know our guests sure. here. Yeah. So let's talk about Russell. So sure. tell us, like, where are you from? Where were you born? Tell us about your parents, your sure. young life. Yeah. Um, so I was born in South Hadley, Massachusetts. Um, I grew up in South Hadley, Massachusetts, went, went uh, all the way through high school. Um, I did a year of prep school down in Connecticut, and then I um, did my college uh, down in Tampa, Florida. Um, was down there for four years. I played baseball. Um, I, I majored in exercise science and sports medicine, it? believe it or not. And in college? <clears throat> in, yeah. in college, yeah. And did you like school and were you a good student? Did you like it? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was a decent student. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I gravitated towards my degree uh, in exercise science and sports medicine just because, you know, with being involved in sports and baseball specifically it came easier right. to me um, and i really enjoyed it i had aspirations to eventually become like an athletic trainer or a physical therapist um, something in that realm right but uh, my father is a third third generation uh, construction guy i'll just say guy because he's um, done, done everything from uh, you know, commercial superintendent uh, building schools and large refrigeration plants and things like that to owning his own business. So in 1986, he opened his own business. So when I got out of college in 1999, I went into the con construction business with my father and did that up until um, 2015. And we did that uh, back in Massachusetts. I met my wife while I was down uh, at the University of Tampa, and she's from Roseville. Oh, she um, is? Yep, so we moved up to... And that's how you ended up back here? Yeah, eventually, yeah. yes. Yeah, after we we um, did our 16-year, just about 16-year stint in Massachusetts, we had our, um, all three kids were born uh, in Massachusetts. I have a son who's uh, 14, and my, I have twin daughters that are 10. Wow. And, um, and so uh, we decided in 2015 that it was time to kind of move out west and be closer to my wife's family. So what did you do out of college? What did you do? I went right into the construction business. You did? So we were um, we did a lot of community development block grant work, which is something very um, uh, similar to some of the work that we do here in the city of Rancho Cordova. Um, you know, we built homes, remodeled kitchens and bathrooms, uh, did major, major house remodels. Uh, we did that um, for quite some time, for quite some time. 
And how did you end up in the job you're in now? So when my son was born, um, I started to look at other ways to stay in the construction industry without being in the field as much. Right. Uh, so I started to go through the process of becoming a certified building inspector. Okay. So while I was uh, going through that, I became uh, a residential building inspector. I have my uh, my um, certified building official certificate through uh, the International Council uh, Code Council. And um, I, for a short period of time, for about a year and a half, I was a building official in Massachusetts. And I just started looking at opportunities out here in California. There was a lot of inspector jobs um, and I had reciprocity. My certificate was good in California as well as Massachusetts. So um, I, I just started yeah. looking at inspector jobs. And you worked for the city and right off the bat? Right off the city bat. City of Rancho? Yeah. July 7th, 2015 was my wow, first day. Wow, so you've been here 10 years or mm -hmm. what, nine? Yeah. Yeah, nine, going on nine. And um, so I was part of the rental housing team. I was a rental housing inspector. Right. The rental housing team kind of falls under our code enforcement uh, yeah. uh, umbrella. And uh, I did that for about three years, and yeah. then they transitioned me into the homeless outreach yeah. team. And now you're in charge, right? Right. Yeah. Well, then, so from from inspector to I became a senior for just about a year, and then. Um, uh, and now you oversee all the departments, right? Uh, yeah. All the all the little programs. Yeah, I yeah. Would say. yeah. So back back to um, neighborhood services. So <laughs> on researching, you know, you come in here. I saw the the rental division the rental mm. housing division yeah. Yeah. so as i read into that i was it, it's actually quite fascinating that you so if a lot of people rent and then you hear of slum lords and people that really don't care but if you come and rent in rancho you're going to be taken care of because the city is making sure that you're being looked after so talk a little bit about that department <clears throat> So our rental housing um, inspection program, uh, it's right now it's three officers. Uh, we're looking to add one additional officer. Um, the goal with our rental housing inspection program is to really kind of identify the bad players, uh, hold the hold the slumlords, as you said uh, earlier, kind of accountable. Um, so kind of grassroots, if, if you have a rental property here in the city, you would have to get a rental business license. When you get the rental business license, you are basically um, giving consent to the rental housing inspection program. Um, and we inspect every single apartment complex uh, here in the city on a three-year rotation. Um, and right now we've been, been able to kind of keep it at a three-year rotation because we haven't added many apartment complexes, but we have several that are in the works. So that's so gonna, that's when you say three-year, does that mean once every three years? Once every three years. Okay. Now that's if you're a good player, if we don't have a lot of right. calls for service, right. not a lot of complaints and you're right. keeping up on your maintenance. Um, and then our single families, singles, uh, duplexes, triplexes, our four families, all the way up to 16 units. Um, we inspect those uh, just about every five years. Um, and uh, again, same same kind of standards apply as long as you're a good player and we don't have any complaints or any concerns or high calls for service. 
we're going to keep it at that uh, five-year rotation. Okay, so I have a house that I want to rent. It's just a house, three-bedroom house. Mm -hmm. So I go to the city. I get a rental business license. Okay. So now I'm on the radar for the city that I have a house that I rent, mm -hmm. and I put it out to rent. You don't mandate or govern or anything the cost, right? If we I want to charge, no. So I charge whatever I want. do not get involved with the rent control. Right. right. So what is it you're looking for? What are you inspecting? Well, uh, so there's a few things. Primarily, it's health, life, safety issues, um, making sure that uh, the house is habitable, making sure it's safe to be there, uh, making sure there's no fire hazards, um, and then making sure it's, it's not substandard. So the health and safety code kind of delineates what a substandard property is versus not. Right. And that's kind of what we measure up against is the health and safety code, um, specifically 17920.3. Um, and it kind of goes through all the different substandard issues that we are looking for, you know, leaky faucets, leaking, leaky plumbing, areas that can um, generate mold, <clears throat> any electrical issues that could become uh, a fire down the road. Um, we're making sure that they're... Uh, exterior standards are up to up to code wow. okay um, and uh and that and that's primarily primarily it we're just really making sure it's a safe sound place to be um that the property maintenance aspect is being kept up on we have a whole property maintenance section of our municipal code so there's great guidance in there for the property owners um and uh in general, just making sure it's it's safe. You know, we we identify if if work was put in without a without a building permit. Um, we have certified residential building inspectors on our team. We issue rental housing repair permits out of neighborhood services. So it's kind of like a one stop shop. Right. Yeah. And all of these services could be found on the Rancho Cordova um, website. Just go to neighborhood services and they're all there. Correct. On, on looking, on the rental one, so if I'm a tenant and I'm having an issue with my landlord, I can actually call you, right? You can. And uh, so t talk us through how that works, just uh, for anybody that sure. might be having an issue. Now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so tenants can call in to us. Um, Is it the, anonymous when they call? Um. I mean, it can be. Yeah. Uh, it certainly can be. Because um, it's like calling the police, right? You call the police, they come, and then they leave, and then all right. the neighbors know it's you. <laughs> right, exactly. So if you call on your landlord, well, then he might have some retribution. Sure, and, yeah. and there's and there's law that protects you from um, retaliation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so if you call in a, a complaint, we always ask that the tenant provide the opportunity to the property owner manager to fix it, to fix it. Yeah. Right. And then we can articulate negligence that, you know, they were notified back in November of a plumbing leak and here we are on January 10th and um, nothing's been done. Right. So we, and, and what's great is a lot of the larger property management companies, everything is online. They have an online portal. So everything's trackable so we can see it. Um, and and so if they you know if they provide us proof that they submitted the complaint and and uh, no action's been taken, then we would go over and do an inspection. And what kind of complaints do you get from tenants? What oh, are like gosh. everything? Uh, we get um, plumbing leaks, uh, you know, failing roofs. Um, so they're not calling you issues. because they have a leak. They're calling you because they've reported it to the landlord and the landlord's not doing anything about Abs it. Yeah, hundred. Yeah. You're exactly okay. right. 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 
Okay. We don't want this is this is the 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 goal with pro, the rental housing team is we do not want to manage your property. If right. we're going to start managing your property, yeah, we're going to have to yeah. collect on that. Yeah, it'd be huge. Right. So when they when they're calling you, it's because they're just not getting any help. Correct. And yeah. then you have the the power to go in and force the issue. <clears throat> yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, through the business license, number one, um, through the health and safety code, the building code, they they give us uh, quite a bit of authority. So we, what is, I mean, you said leaks and stuff. Well, what are some of the, the, the sort of the recurring issues? Um, pest infestation. Oh, uh, that's a, yeah, that's a that's, tough one, especially yeah. in our apartment complexes, because it's, it's very hard to isolate it to just one unit. So we... Um, we get that a lot and you know property owners know that they have to provide pest control on a regular basis so that's that's one thing um plumbing leaks the electrical issues uh, are very common and is mold an issue mold is an issue yeah and i was just going to go there is you know and that could be very dangerous right mold. it can be yeah 100 percent. yeah um and typically you need a water source so that's why we want to address the any type of leaks whether it's a right. leaky roof or a leaky faucet or poor ventilation in a bathroom. So those are the things that uh, typically generate the mold issues. And then how quickly can you solve these problems? Well, because uh, you're busy, right? Yeah, I mean, if I call you, are you going to deal with it right away? Or is there a sort of a time lag? Um, typically within 24 hours, we're going to wow. get out there now. So we we tier different types of code violations in rental housing on a response, you know, if they don't have any hot water, running water, active sewer, electricity, um, or heat, they have to do that. They have to get that in place within 24 hours, right. or we're going to have to vacate the the, the uh, property or the the unit or the the, the house, um, and order that those whatever's missing, whether it's running water or hot water, that those things get restored. Um, but we will work with the property owner and we, we kind of become this middleman with the property owner and the tenant, just making sure that everybody is kind of, um, communicating. Right. Um, and then there's other things that have to be, you know, done within seven days and then 30 days. Uh, so once we know what classification it is, when, uh, we write our notice in order, we, we note it, you know, so you have seven days to repair, um, this issue. And you do follow up. We, oh yeah, we have a yeah. reinspection. So on yeah. the notice and order, there's a reinspection date and time. It's very specific. We're not the cable company. We're going to be there at eleven o'clock on Tuesday and do the reinspection. So I'm a landlord that I don't even live here. I live in LA. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm saying, well, I don't care. What what's your, what's your ultimate power? What can you do? Well, so if you live in LA, um, based on our rental housing ordinance, our rental housing inspection program, the ordinance says you have to have somebody within 30 miles of the city. Okay. So you have to have a responsible party. Now oh, okay. that could be- Management company, whatever. Management company, yeah. it could be a handyman, it could right. be a, the super. But I just don't care. Mm. What What's the ultimate yeah, so enforcement? It's the, it's the similar situation that we have with on code enforcement. So we go through the process. We go through the notice and order process. We go through the administrative citation process, uh, potentially a hearing. Um, we could, you know, de how, depending on how far down the line we go, there's receiverships, there's all these other tools that we can use um, to get the property into compliance. Right. But, but again, we, we are uh, um, very good at uh, trying to get in touch with right. property owners and then holding them accountable. Right. Yeah. 
and I'm not, I've never heard of this before, and you work in this in the business. Is this normal for cities? I mean, would Sacramento have something like that, for city, instance? City of Sacramento has a rental housing they inspection do? program. Yep. Okay. Uh, the county. Now, those are much larger jurisdiction so they they have an uh, a self-certification program where you know you you basically certify that everything in your house is up to code um, and then it's incumbent upon the the division whether it's the city or the county they go in and they they do audits to make sure that um, your your property is what it says right. what you're saying it is so someone listening to this show um, and they've just moved into summer what are some of the basic life safety things that you must have for instance do you have to have smoke detectors yes that's mandatory that's law if yes yeah. smoke detectors are a requirement carbon monoxide carbon monoxide uh detectors are there's there's specific requirements for carbon monoxide detectors. So if you have any fossil fuel burning appliances, so gas or oil appliances. You have to have. You have to have it. If you have an attached garage, you have to have a carbon monoxide detector. If you have a wood burning stove or fireplace, you have to have a carbon okay. monoxide detector. So someone moving in, those two things, they need to be there. Correct. Are there any other sort of life safety type of things that um, are mandatory in rentals? Yeah. So so little things like um, self-closing garage doors that go from the, the garage into the house. Um, we'd like to see that. And that's specifically for fire protection. Um, we want to make sure that you know, we have a good sound file fire separation between the garage and the house. So we look at that. Um, and, and then, uh, making sure that any modifications that were done to the property had a permit. So that's, that's a, a health life safety right away. So if right. there's, you know, water heater that was installed without a permit, we would, we would address that. Or if an HVAC system was installed without a permit, we would address that. Um, any types of patio structures that were put in without a, a permit, right? we would address that. And for anybody who thinks that this, the permit is a money grabbing thing from the city, it isn't that at all, right? It's to make sure that it's been done correctly. Correct. I mean, yeah. this, this level of permit barely, um, is is somewhat cost recoverable right i'll put that yeah. it's not fully but it does cover recover right. some of our costs right um and yeah it's it's for uh to pay for an officer or an inspector to go out there and right. and make sure that whatever we're looking at whether it's the patio structure or the addition or the the water heater making sure it meets the california building code um it, and is the and just to close up on the the rental thing. So, can the landlord come to you for anything, or is it purely a tenant thing? So, for instance, if I have bad tenants, I have to go through the courts for that, right? Correct. You, I couldn't come to you and say, "Hey, Correct. I got a." Yeah, yeah, you're right, and 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 that's where the black and white get gray. Is um, we are not in a position to mitigate any tenant landlord landlord right. tenant issues. But the police, Rancho PD, they do have a unit that deals with apartments, I think. So the the sheriff has a civil assist, um, and they also have a division that will serve, you know, they'll serve eviction notices. Right. But that's it. I mean, they're yeah. just carrying the paperwork. Right, right, and right. making sure it's getting to the right place. Okay. And now let's talk um, a couple more. Parking is another one. Sure. I don't remember, and I've been here almost four years, I don't remember ever paying for parking, parking anywhere in Rancho Cordova. Am I right? Like metered parking? Yeah. Yeah. 
no, no. There's, there's no metered parking. So what are you dealing with in parking? What's your parking enforcement? Yeah, our power. So it's kind of a combination of two things. So it's our abandoned vehicle abatement program. Right. So if if vehicles are dumped here, right. um, and and we do have a lot of that with Recycle Road and, right. and a lot of our um, recyclers down there, people will go buy a, a, a vehicle, they'll they'll park it on the side of the street, take the parts, and just and just and, leave and it. Leave it. Yeah. In fact, we had Mayor Sander here. And he told me the clunk for cash or something, right? Cash for clunkers. I think he was the instigator of that years and years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, we, um, so that's part of our beautification program right. where if you have an inoperable vehicle that you want to get rid of, we will help facilitate that through our beautification okay. program. Yeah. So so what are the enforcement things with parking that you do? So other than abandoned, abandoned vehicles. vehicles. Yeah. Um, you know. Because you're not, you're not collecting revenue, right, from parking here? Well, when we write tickets, when we write tickets, it's a it'll create revenue based on the volume of tickets. Oh, written. so if you park on the red zone, for instance, yeah, in a fire lane, obstructing. Oh, okay. A, a, so you do have parking, uh, parking, whatever you call tickets. them, tickets, ticket guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? All of our code enforcement officers are trained to to write a ticket. To write a ticket. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, we have a few officers that are are specific on certain things. So so we had. Uh, um, for instance, like big rigs, um, where can big rigs park? How long can they idle? How you know? How do you identify the big rig? How do you get in contact with with people who own big rigs um, through some of the identifiers that are on the vehicles besides the license plate? Um, so yeah, we do issue parking tickets, um, and that kind of it just goes hand in hand with our our uh, abandoned vehicle abatement. Right. Um, you know, if somebody reports a vehicle that hasn't moved in several days, we would go out and we would apply what's called a 72-hour notice that right. the, the vehicle needs to move more than right. 300 feet. And if it doesn't, it would be privy to either a parking citation or Been towing. towed. Mm -hmm. So you can't park your car that you're not using for more than how long? It's, uh, three days. Three days, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So if I park on the street for three days and mm -hmm. I'm not using this car, I have to move it? You have to move it oh, 300 feet. You do? Okay. Okay. Now- we don't proactive. That's not a proactive parking right. enforcement mechanism for my team. We right. typically are just responding to complaints. Okay. Because I have two cars, but one of them I use less than the other. But sometimes I don't move it for like maybe I don't know, a week. Sure. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a there's a catalyst here. So we don't want the public right away to be a storage facility. Right. And, you know, when you start to look at the private property aspect, Per our ordinance, you should have two covered parking spaces plus the two parking spaces in in your driveway. Okay. So, um, and and to be honest, not a lot of people have covered parking because the garage becomes the storage space. Right. But right. you do have two parking spaces right, right. in your driveway. So RV, so Palm Springs RVs are a big issue. Mm. One day I was at a council meeting oh. and I was like fascinated by this. There was a whole argument between a guy who owned an RV. And he had a nice house, mm -hmm. but he parked his RV in the driveway of his house. Mm -hmm. And the city was like, no, you mm -hmm. can't park there. Mm -hmm. And it was a whole argument. It was my house. Mm -hmm. I own it. Why? Is that the same here? Yeah, and this is, this is, uh, this is an interesting topic. Um, my first uh, council workshop as the manager of neighborhood services was a boats, RV, and trailer discussion. Um, and it was very lively and well attended. Yeah. Um, and I can, you know, to be honest, I can put myself there, right? I go and get myself an RV 
and I have a house and I have a big driveway. Mm -hmm. Why can I not park my RV right. there? What yeah. is the purpose? The well, I think what the the general drive behind the folks who wanted to to get a strong ordinance in play was to make sure that the RVs that aren't being kept up um, were addressed. There's also some health life safety issues that we want, you know, some driveways aren't deep enough for an RV and they shouldn't be hanging out over the sidewalk right. nor yeah, should that they I be into the, yeah. into, the, yeah. into the public right away. So when this all happened, um, council directed us to put together kind of a, a commission, a boats, RV and trailer commission, which we had you know, a few residents that were for keeping RVs and then a few that were not. And we sat in a room and we kind of just looked at standards. We ended up getting to the discussion of standards. Um, and if we're gonna keep the RVs on site, what what are the basics? So it's gotta be registered, it has to be clean. If it's covered, it has to be with a form fitting cover. Um, if it's gonna be, uh, if it's not registered, it has to be without, out of public view um, and we, we got this commission to kind of come to an agreement on um, basic standards for the boats, RVs, and trailers. And that's the same for boats. If I have a big boat, boats I definitely understand. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need to see like a huge speedboat on a trailer right. on the street. Well, you can. You can keep it in your driveway you as can. long as it's registered and current. And it meets those setback requirements from the sidewalk or the backside of the curb if you don't have a sidewalk. So now um, let's move on to my favorite, animal oh, services. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so give us a nutshell what animal services does. Sure. So Because here, before you do that, yeah. it's not just dogs and cats, right? Because here we right. have turkeys that mm -hmm. run around. We have, we have the American River Parkway. Mm -hmm. You have animals, deer, this, that, and the other. So yeah. give us a, a what you do. So the core function of our animal services team, you know, we go back, if you go back to like looking at the dog catcher's function, right. the real function here is to control rabies right that is our main oh goal. that's the main that was the main okay. goal when when this whole when when right. the thought of animal control came through was was rabies control um and it's kind of proliferated into other things um but our team we you know we uh we have three people that are part of the team and yeah. um we work really hard to to make sure our rabies uh our all our animals are have their rabies vaccines um, currently, we have a free pet license, and we also offer free vaccine clinics, um, which has really kind of opened up um, the the reach for the team. I mean, it's been it's it's definitely increased our numbers for licensing, which means our rabies uh, preventative there, the vaccine that prevents the rabies spread, is is uh, in place okay. because you can't get a license without that vaccine. So let's talk about that. So a lot of people have, I mean, dogs, I think, are the, the biggest number of pets and mm -hmm. then followed by cats probably. Sure, yeah. So I live in Rancho Cordova. This is for any, I would not know this. Mm -hmm. So I moved to Rancho Cordova and I have my dog, which I do. Yep. Do I need a license? You do need a license. Yeah. So where do I go to get that? You can go online and apply through our online portal. For and it's free. License. And it's free. So the, the biggest- Go ahead. So you just want the license so you know how many dogs are in the city? Well, not just that. We want the license to make sure, because you can only get a license if, you're, if your animal is vaccinated. I see. And then the license runs congruently with the, the vaccine. And when you say you have vaccine clinics, what is that? 
So the the animal services team, we've contracted with a local veterinarian and um, every other month we have a free vaccine clinic that um, one of the vaccines that we give is the uh, the rabies vaccine. And then we also- It's uh, free? It's free. Wow. Yep. And we- Because I just did that and I had to pay. Yeah. And it's not wow. cheap, especially- No, no, if, no it wasn't if cheap. Have, yeah. If you have multiple animals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so we'll give the vaccine, uh, we offer free microchipping. We also provide the feline vaccine. We, we provide the canine vaccine, um, the common one. Um, do you need a license for a cat? We would like it to be, yeah. to be licensed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So back to your offices on animal control, what is their day to day? Their day to day could be anything from, uh, you know, um, Responding to a call for service for a dog at large that's just kind of running amok. So and dog catcher. Dog, dog yeah. catching. And then it could also be um, responding uh, to a police uh, request for an assist for a potential, potentially dangerous animal. Um, like a snake? Uh, yeah, or aggressive dog. Oh. Um, or it could be responding to um, the potential of an inhumane situation where uh, a, a dog owner or pet owner is just not taking care of their animal. Right. And you take that seriously. And yes, we do. We yeah. work with the district attorney. Yeah. So um, if I, um, if I call and say, Hey, my next door neighbor's got a dog tied up to a chain and it's freezing cold and it's been there every day, every night, you would come to that. We would respond to that. We would do a welfare, what's called a welfare check. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, the welfare check is very much, we lead with education. We're going to make sure the animals is healthy and the coat is healthy and it looks nourished and it's getting plenty of water. Um, it can't be tethered, so it shouldn't be. Oh, shouldn't you be can't tied tie up. them up? Shouldn't be tied up, um, which means their fencing has to be in decent condition oh, and able good. to withhold the animal. Um, so, yeah, we would respond to a call like that. What makes, um, if a police... If, if I call the police because there's a dangerous dog, an aggressive dog, and they can't deal with it and they call you, what makes you guys more apt to dealing with this aggressive dog than the police? I think the specific, uh, I mean, I know the reason is the, the training. Yeah. You know, the, the officers have gone through um, extensive training and, and learning dog behaviors and signaling and how to, how to address uh, an aggressive dog. Okay. Yeah. So I would specifically say it's the training. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is most police officers would rather deal with human interaction yeah, than with than the, the canines. Yeah. Or, you know. Also, you would. There's a lot of turkeys. Yeah, a lot which of wildlife. I, yes. I couldn't believe when I first moved here. These turkeys are running around there, and I thought, what on earth is that? You know, because I'd never seen them before. Sure. Now those turkeys must get injured. They, they do. must get hit by they cars do. and stuff. Yeah. Do you deal with that? We do. If so. Typically, an undomesticated animal, a wild wildlife, um, does not fall into our purview. Typically, that we would refer to uh, Fish and Wildlife, and they would they would come address the the turkey if it was was healthy but causing an issue. Right. If we have an, a wildlife that is uh, injured, right. we would go and address that. We you would, would. We'd take it. We have several different partners here in the region that. Um, we'll rehabilitate the, the the turkey or whatever it is and, and bring it back to return it to its place where we found it, really. But there's a lot of animal lovers and, you know, a little bird with a broken wing, some people would freak out on, mm -hmm. or a squirrel that's injured. Sure. 
and the first reaction would be, I'm going to call animal services. Would you deal with that or do you refer them somewhere else? No, we would, re because it's injured, we would. You we would, would go and do it? Would, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Now, again, we have our priority. We have to prioritize these right. things. So if we have the ability and the capacity to go out to that call, we sure will. One thing I would recommend to, to your listeners is if there's ever an issue with a, you know, a raccoon or a skunk that they see out in the daylight, um, I would not even approach that oh, animal no. because that's a that's a sign of a potential rabies situation oh. right so if so, you see them in the daylight in the daylight acting away. erratically oh, okay definitely at night them. though i see raccoons at night yeah, and and they're nocturnal and that's okay yeah. but if they're acting erratically and out of the ordinary so you would deal with that that oh yeah that's yeah. a primary function is the rabies want, thing yeah, the rabies if someone says that they've been bitten by a squirrel what what happens because you hear the squirrel, yeah. oh, every squirrel's got rabies, which I don't can't yeah, see that's true. Not but. typically. Um, we would probably go take the report and and report it out to our our folks, and we would instruct the resident to get medical attention. Um, typically, typically now squirrels aren't rabies carriers, um, but if it was acting erratically, we may we may have to test the the squirrel for right. for rabies. And just so anybody that's interested or listening, we are going to be going out with one of your animal control people on patrol, so mm -hmm. to speak, yeah. um, and talking to them. I'm fascinated. I'm very interested to see what where they're from. You know, I mean, I think it takes a special person to be an animal control person because I personally would not because they would respond presumably if a dog got run over. Do they respond to that? They do. Yeah, they do. Those that are the, would be pretty hard. I those think. are the those tug at the heart a little yeah. bit, you know. And and it's, I mean, any animal, um, right? But the dogs, the dogs tend to be, yeah, they're the worst. Difficult. And and you know that the biggest thing you can look for in a good animal control officer officer is compassion, yeah, and just a general passion to do their job. Yeah, I've actually met one of them. We filmed them, and she was very very devoted yeah i can't remember her name now but you probably know I, I know she's still there okay um if an animal gets killed do you is it on you to go and get it or is it the county oh no it's it's, it's us. on us it's Any, on you yeah anything anything within the rancho cordova city limits is going to fall on anything related to animal services is going to fall on us um, we partner with the sacramento spca as our shelter so if any of our residents uh, pick up a dog at large, they can bring it to the SPCA and turn it in as a good SAM. And we would start the process there. We would see if it's microchipped, you know, see if we can contact the owner, hold it. And if an animal gets killed, you'll go and pick it up. We do. Yep. We'll yep. Go pick it up, get it out of the, the public right away right. and um, dispose of it. One day I was walking my dog and I saw a dead animal. It was on the road. It was like someone had run it over. Picked, it was a wild animal. Mm -hmm. Had picked it up and put it on the side. And two or three days later, it's still there. So what should the public do if they see a dead animal? They should call it in. Yeah. Um, but again... You know, it's it's all about the the level of calls for service right. and um, priority. So, typically, we have one animal service officer on to cover the whole entire city. Right. One day a week, we have two officers. The officers work a four ten schedule: Saturday through Wednesday, or excuse me, Sunday through Wednesday, and then Wednesday through Saturday. Four ten four p.m. to ten p.m. No, four days a week, oh, ten oh, hours a day. I see. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So we have one day of overlap. So if we get a high amount of calls for service on the non-overlap day, 
um, it impacts that right. one officer. And then we have to go to our priority right, list. Right, right. And I have to say, on this particular case, I did call it in. And I have to tell you, I don't know who I called. I can't remember. But I call person A. They say, it's not us, it's person B. Mm -hmm. I call person B. It's not us, it's person A. Uh, well, I've just called person A. Well, sure. Finally, someone came and got it. Got I it. don't know. It was okay. very frustrating, though. Well, I apologize I have to tell you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't even know if it was you. I don't know if I called the county. It was right here, actually. But it was a large animal. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, I don't think it should be here. <laughs> the The easiest way to tell if you have the time to to figure out who's responsible is if you go to the Sacramento County par Parcel Viewer, it'll tell you who the responsible right. jurisdictions are on the left-hand side. But anything within the city limits yeah, is, is, yours. is the city okay. of Rancho Cordova Animal Services. So we've gone through all the departments. I don't think I've missed any, right? Parking, code enforcement, animal, rental. Mm -hmm. Homeless outreach. Homeless outreach. We have a we have a probation partnership. It's oh a, yeah, so it's I did program. actually come across. So that confused me because there is the probation department, right? Mm -hmm. Their their offices are not far from here. Sure. So what does your probation people do? So it, look, I'm just going to speak in generality. So the probation department has probation officers that get assigned probationers all over the county. Right. So you may have some in the north area. You may have some in the city of Rancho Cordova. The beauty about the probation partnership is we have two dedicated probation officers to the city of Rancho Cordova. So any probationer that lives within the city is privy to their to, right. to So their probationer, case for anybody that doesn't know, is someone who is on probation. They've gone to court. They've gone to court. And their sentence was you're on probation for two years. Correct. Okay. Typically, so, typically it's in lieu of say jail time. Exactly. Right. And and they so, have to be good citizens and abide by all exactly. the rules of their. Vehicle. Otherwise, they go back to jail. Correct. Like monopoly. Yes. Go back to yeah. jail. Um, yeah. So if if someone is arrested and they're given probation and they live in the city of Rancho Cordova, the court system informs you that these people are on probation. Not necessarily me. They would inform the two probation officers. I see. Yep. But they work channels. under you. They're, they're a contract that is under neighborhood services. Oh, I see. So these two people are responsible or oversee everybody that's on probation in the city of Rancho Cordova. Yes. I mean, yeah. and to be clear, most people who are on probation in the city, they have their assigned probation officer, but we just have two officers that roll through those probationers. Um, but what is the purpose? Uh to have a, a more concentrated uh, focus on the probationers within the city versus a broader approach of... So you like to know what they're up to. Yeah, and make sure that they're following their probation orders and yeah. being good, upstanding yeah. citizens. Okay. Well, Russell, you deal with a lot of stuff. So what's a day in the life of Russell? So yeah, what is what is a typical day for you? Yeah, Um it's uh, you wear a lot of different hats. Yep. Um, I think. One so, who the, do you report to? The city manager's office? No, I don't. I I report to the community development director. Okay. Which is Elizabeth Sparkman. Yeah. She reports to the the assistant city manager, and then he reports right. to the city manager. Yeah. Um, we all work really closely right, together. Right. No, Sabracho so um, is a yeah. very tight knit family. It's um, 
the 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 thing that I really enjoy about this job that it gives me some correlation to my time as a general contractor where we did, you know, some dirt work or concrete or building a house or doing an addition or a remodel is you're it's different every day. You're not just making widgets and moving forward. Right. It's it's different challenges, right. different um different types of questions, you know, so my typical day could be going to a homeless outreach team briefing and talking to the team on what their needs are, followed up by a parking enforcement meeting with the, the RCPD to go through kind of how, how our policies and processes are working. And if we need to shape that up, how our contractors are doing, um, it could be a, a meeting, uh, a future development team meeting with, uh, kind of, um, our higher level team talking about the future of the city and where we're expanding and um, some of the challenges that come along with expanding. So it's, there's a lot of diversity. I'll just tell you one quick snippet yesterday at quarter at, at four 45, I get off at five at four 45, we had an issue with an aggressive animal. Um, so I was speaking with one of the, the animal service officers at five o'clock. I got a call from, one of my rental officers who had an issue with mold in an apartment complex. And then at like 10 after five, I got a call from one of my code enforcement officers who was dealing with an abandoned vehicle in a matter of <coughs> 30 minutes, yeah. 30 minutes, yeah. you're kind of working almost the whole entire gamut. Right. So you have to have your head on a swivel. You got to be open to people who know what they're doing and are really successful at what they're doing and just kind of guiding them. Um, and you may have said this, but how many people work in, in your department? So in total, you, yeah. in total, um, we're about 20 and that the core team is about 18. And then we have our probation partnership. We have our navigators, our <clears> cleanup <throat> contractors. So it's a decent sized division, but we cover a lot. We do cover a lot. Well, Russell, thank you very much for being with us. Um, on Thank the Rancho you. Cordova yeah. podcast. But before great. we finish, we do always have a quick fire round of questions. Okay. And I don't know if you've listened, but I'm throwing these at you. A lot of people ask me, do people rehearse these? Mm. What I'm going to ask you. Okay. And I say no, because I just ask them. All right. So here we go. So sure. what is one word others would use to describe you? Fun. Fun. What is one word you would use to describe yourself? Monotone. If you could be a person for a day besides yourself, who would it be and why? Anybody within the city or anybody in anybody general? Anybody you like. Anybody, anybody within the city would be interested, but yeah. anybody that you like. Anybody that I would like. Um, I would like to be a zookeeper for a day. You would? Yeah, that would be fun. Just to see what it's all about, yeah. get around all the different animals. Yeah. yeah. What is your biggest pet peeve? inconveniencing people who um, aren't aware of, of, of how their actions or how their their work or you know how it can become inconveniencing and I'm not talking I'm talking in general just right. in, in generalities what is one app on your phone that you cannot live without uh, my maps app map. everybody says maps and that would be me too mm. What's something about you few people know? I'm from Massachusetts. Yeah? Yeah. And finally, what is the biggest lesson you learned from your mother? Be open and welcoming. 
I, I sometimes I follow up with your father, but I think I think mother. my father would just be grit and hard work. Do you hard. get back to Massachusetts or usually? Yeah, we usually try the weather's to get back. not too good there now. Oh no, they just got a big snowstorm. Yeah, I saw this morning, Boston. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. No, we typically go back once a year. During, yeah. Usually during the summer when we can spend some time there. Okay, so Russell, thank you for You're being welcome. with us. We've You're been welcome. talking to Russell Dusham, who is the Neighborhood Services Manager for the City of Rancho Cordova. Russell, thank you very much for everything that you do for this city. Well, thank you. And um, I, think, I think in part to what your department does is what makes Rancho Cordova such a great place to live and work. Because anybody who's here can tell, I mean, I've been here now some time. And I have to say that Rancho Cordova is a very well-run city. And a lot of that is in part to everybody at City Hall. So thank you for well, that. Thank you. It's been, it's been a good time. Thank you so much. So there you have it, folks. That was a very interesting program. Of course, if you have any interest or you need the services of any of the programs that were covered today, just visit the Rancho Cordova City website. Navigate yourself through to Neighborhood Services. And all the departments are listed there. Next week, we speak with the new Rancho Cordova Police Chief, Matthew Tamayo. And we're very excited to have a wide-ranging conversation about policing in this city. My name is Charles Lego. I'm your host, and until next time.